This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Pride of London podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please welcome your hosts, Gabe Henderson and Travis Tyler. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a special edition of the Pride of London podcast. I am your host, Gabe Henderson. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host and co-site expert, Travis Tyler, and we've got some other special guests for you today. Um, We've got a panel of five all in for this podcast. They're all three very recognizable names. If you're a frequent um, reader of Chelsea Twitter or you like to engage with people on Chelsea Twitter, we've got Jordan. You can find him on Twitter um, at sports underscore by underscore stats. We've got Travis Flock at crossroads underscore CFC. And then we've got Ola, who's at McNobsy on Twitter. So make sure to give all of them a follow and a read. And we'll just jump right into it today, guys. So obviously, we're going to be a little disappointed because Chelsea didn't do anything. Might not be disappointed in terms of the squad structure and all that. But obviously, January and the summer months are a lot more fun if your team is making new additions. You know, we all like to play FIFA in real life or football manager in real life. So um, obviously a little disappointed there, but just overall, I I don't think it's quite a bad thing that we didn't sign anybody. So I'll start with Travis Tyler because he's he's my regular co-host on the show. Travis, what do you make of this month and in terms of transfers and all the rumors and dealings that we had? Yeah, I mean, January is a terrible month to do business, usually, and it's only been worse since COVID. Um, I'm always of the mindset that you shouldn't buy players to compensate for an injury that'll be done by the end of the season. Like, Chilwell will be back, Reese James will be back, and then we're stuck with another player if we had signed somebody that we're not really sure what to do with. You know, I'm not, I wasn't crazy about rumors like the desk rumor. But if we had got deaths, I don't think I would have really been disappointed overall. Uh, you know, we talked about the Dembe- basically we were linked to everyone Barcelona wanted to get rid of. Uh, so the Dembele rumor, I mean, he's injured a lot, but Tuchel likes him. You know, can you really make a signing that's more backing Tuchel than getting Dembele? Probably not, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense without Thomas Tuchel at the club right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's a January window and we have a squad that is pretty much too deep everywhere when everyone's fit. So I'm not too worried that we didn't go out and like just sign somebody to say we signed somebody that we played this smart and just kind of, you know, we didn't panic. Then I guess I'll open the floor up to everyone else. So what do you guys think about January and where do you think the squad lies right now? Yeah, I think the the January transfer window, you know, I'm not surprised no one came in because many of those who were linked to, we saw the, we instantly saw the drawbacks of putting too much resources into it. We're linked with Lucas Dean, but Lucas Dean is, is supposed to be a starter. And if he comes, he will likely be starting games. But then when Chiwell is fit, we'll have Alonso, we'll have him, we'll have Chiwell. And no manager needs to deal with that. I know many people think, you know, they say the thing competition for places. And competition for places always sounds nice on paper. It always sounds nice when a team is winning trophies. But it's extremely difficult to implement in real life. You can't just get... Vlahovic, Lukaku, and Haaland and say, you guys should compete for places. It's not going to work because eventually someone will win out and the rest of the two will sit. And when one person does win out and the rest of the two are sitting, when a player is performing, you you are not going to drop him. When a player is not performing, that's where you can drop, that's where you can drop him. So, at the end of the day, you know, we all agree with their players, but the club also had to look at it from a business point of view and from a squad planning point of view. As it is, we are trying to get rid of Emerson. Uh, Alonso has a year left on his contract. We have been chill well. 
we have some players coming through the ranks. If we go around buying players now because of an injury that we think, oh, we must buy players to challenge, the title race is gone. Like we can't we can't start trying to salvage the title race now. It's gone. What we can do now is we have serious problems in the squad and we have to start trying to solve them. And it's now we have to start trying to solve them as well. We can't just wait till like some people say, I've seen the quote in, in many places, buy now, we'll figure out the rest later. Or buy X player now and we'll figure out how to do sales. No, that's not how it works. Because we saw how, you know, it was a it was something of this nature that happened with 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 Kodzuma. And when when we finally sold Kodzuma, Sevilla came and said we want we want more money. So sell players first. We have a lot, a lot of players on our book. Sell them first, and then we can go after buying players. I am not worried we didn't get a player in in this this winter. It's better not to get anyone than to get someone that you'll be trying for years to offload and you won't be able to. And we <laughs> there are a lot of players that are living testimonies to this that were still trying to sell three years, four years on. So I think it's ultimately the squad is is adequate as it is, and we're going to have returning some injuries. I think resumes is back training with the squad, so the need for a the need for a backup right wing back is now less. Is now is no longer as intense, and you know I I think generally it's just it's, it's part of squad planning that many people don't don't pay attention to. And we just can't keep buying players because we have money. We have injuries. Everyone has injuries. We have to deal with injuries. Our solution to injuries can't be buy more players, buy more players. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. I think that ultimately it's kind of one of these, like, yeah, we've needed a backup for Reese James, right? That, that's been an issue. It will be an issue this summer. But you don't, like, I... I have watched Eugenio Dest a number of times, both for Barca and for the U.S. men's national team. He doesn't defend. Like he is not a he's not a fullback. He never will be a fullback. He may be a wingback, but but he doesn't defend. And then when he gets in the box, I I mean he makes Marcus Alonso's end product look like Marcus Alonso's early in Holland. Like Serginho Des doesn't know what to do when he gets in the box. So like this idea, like, yeah, you buy him and like hopefully you would turn him into something. But like honestly, odds are good that like you just don't. So like I, I think to a certain extent, make do with what you have. Longstar can play as a fullback, right? Uh Aspliqueta can play as a wingback. And sometimes you just have to deal with it. Like and it sucks and it was a big loss, but I think at the end of the day, like it just, it's what it is. And we'll try to address it this summer. Yeah. So first I have to just laugh at the, uh, Sergino Dest <laughs> comments because it's, I, I think he would have been like a solid squad player, but he probably wasn't going to be a whole lot more than that. I mean, despite the, the fact you can fire up FIFA and then he'll get to a 90 overall in a few years. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of the uh, the FIFA transfer market managers that we see on on Chelsea Twitter that are, you know, have no idea how these things work. And, you know, they look at FIFA ratings and that's fine. You know, when I was younger, that's probably more of what most of us did when we were younger. And that's the most accessible way to look at player ratings. And in any way, um, to get off of the Sergino desk, it's a very accurate description of him, though, because that's kind of what I said to people. I was like, well, I mean, he's talented. I mean, he's got something. But uh, if you don't like Marcus Alonso, then let's just end the conversation there. That's, uh, you know, that's kind of where I would be with it. So I, I think that for me, though, the biggest issue is the fact that and a lot of people have pointed this out. We, we knew we had a left wing back issue for quite some time with Ben Chilo's injury. I mean, he's not going to come back this. I, I, I don't think there's any real reason to rush him back this year, unless he is healthy enough to play and we're in the hunt for the champions league final, like we're in the semifinals and he's able to return. 
otherwise, really, there's no point um, to re- to risk a serious reaggravation of a serious injury that can then sometimes be career altering. So I, I, I don't want Chili to rush back. I want this guy to get healthy and do what he needs to do. Um, I also don't want Marcus Alonso to play every single match there is left to play because 31 year old Marcus Alonso is not able to do what 26 year old Marcus Alonso was able to do. And that's just the best way it is. It's so true of any of us. It's no, no bad thing against Alonso that, Hey, you got older and you don't have as much as you used to have. Well, what player got older and didn't have as much as they used to have. And before anybody says, Messi and Ronaldo. Well, let's go look at how that's working out this year. Um, so I, I don't really have, honestly, I don't really have that many gripes without uh, having any activity in this transfer window. And the reason is, is because we just have so many people that we, we need to make sales before we make purchases. Uh, and, and for me, that's the biggest reason why is because there's too many, you know, you talk about people want to say, well, we need to fix the attack and get a creator. And while I do agree that we need a more creative player, we've really never replaced the profiles that we had with Juan Mata and Cesc Fabregas. We still have never really gotten to replacing those two player profiles. Maybe we don't care to replace them. I don't know. Either way, the point still stands. We haven't replaced them. And we've continually seen this issue without having enough uh, dynamic play from the center mids in terms of chance creation. And that's just not how we're set up to play. And I don't think we really necessarily have the profile of players to do that um, anyway. And that's not a knock against Jorginho Kovacic. If you follow me, you know that I love those two players. Um, And I'll I'll, I'll gladly defend Jorginho uh, against anybody at this point. I know he has some weaknesses. But again, we we see this issue of, okay, well, people want more in attack. Okay, well, how do we make more in attack? Because if we make more in attack, we're going to compound the issues that we already have in attack, which is there are too many people for not enough positions. Nobody's getting enough playing time and everybody's getting more pissed off because of that. So that's where I, you know, you can say you want things and that's fine because we're, we're, we're living in a hypothetical vacuum when you, when you do those things. But when you really start to break it down, that's when I think that the, if anyone is upset without bringing anybody in, the only way I would entertain those opinions is A, if it's for wingback. And then my follow-up would be, okay, well, which wingback were you really going to bring in that's going to be a starting quality wingback that's going to be happy with be immediately being a squad player as soon as the injured wingbacks return? It, this isn't, again, and it's like we kind of mentioned, this isn't a video game. This is how it works. These deals take a lot of time and so on and so forth. So I don't have any issues with not getting anything done in the winter because, let's be honest, is our our winter record is pretty hit or miss, and that's probably more true of most clubs anyway is that our their winter record is more hit or miss and the winter period tends to be harder to get things done it's going to cost more money and the selling club has really in many cases little to no recourse to find an option uh to replace them so i don't have very many issues with the board i'm actually more impressed they didn't panic buy just for the sake of panic buying uh, I'm almost more impressed because then that's how we end up with more David Zapacostas. And that's how we end up with more poppy uh, Gilobogis or whatever the hell his name was. That's how we end up with more of these bad squad sightings or Michael Hector's that never do anything. I, I, I'll save you the Travis, the, the pain of, of throwing Matt Miazga in that conversation though. But, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll end it there. I don't have any issues with this window for all the reasons I laid out. Yeah. You know, I think the, one thing about all of that is all the people that are crying on social media right now about us not signing anybody and oh we're gonna fail too cool because this is the exact same thing we did with Conte and all of the other managers those are the guys who look at this from a FIFA perspective as you mentioned so yeah no I'm really impressed that we didn't panic buy and I'm actually really happy obviously the appeal with Dest at least to me was the fact that he would serve as a guy who could play on the wings if someone got COVID or if someone got hurt. He could play back up to Reese James at right wing back, and he could also play left wing back potentially due to how he plays with the U.S. men's national team. But obviously, that didn't progress, and I think it's an important turning point here because if Serginio Dest didn't move to Chelsea uh, by now 39 minutes ago at the time of recording – He's never going to move to Chelsea again. Serginho Dest is going to go somewhere where he can play, and he's Chelsea's just not going to return. He's not a viable option for the long term. So that being said, we obviously have had our eyes on some other players, and it wouldn't be 
very surprising if midweek next week I woke up to see Chelsea has agreed to a deal for someone like Jules Kounde because that's what we did with Hakim Ziyech and that's how Chelsea likes to do business. We we don't get in these hundred million pound pissing contests with all the big clubs and so I guess my question to you guys is if we're looking at next summer and uh, we'll get into the players we'd like to sell in a little bit, or we think we'll sell in a little bit, but I just want to ask you guys, if you could sign one or two players for this squad this summer, who would those players be and why? And just to give you guys kind of a jumping off point, we're looking at guys like uh, Usman Dembele, Jules Koundé, Declan Rice, Aurelien Tushimeni, and a few other players that we've been linked to. So I'll open the floor to anyone who really wants to kick us off. Who would your ideal signing be or two signings be and why? So I love getting in it with people on Twitter over Jules Koundé, um, largely because, and, and I did this morning too, as all I know commented, but like I, I, in terms of like a dream signing, right? Kunde to me is a guy that like in the long term I'd love to have because of his technical ability. I just don't think like he's starting quality. If you want somebody to start like tomorrow with this Chelsea team, I think like a Nicholas Sula or a even like a Tukamani, I think may take a minute, but I think he's probably closer to being a Premier League starting quality player than Kunde is, but that's just my kind of own opinion where I like to be a kind of classic for no reason. I think the it's difficult to to say now what signings we would need or what signings we should get because we don't know what the squad will look like then. But we do know that we would need a center back. And I'm saying this regardless of who leaves, I think we do need a center back. I think Nikola Milankovic is a perfect one. He's everything I would want in a centre-back anyway. Uh, I think we also need a central midfielder in a Declan Rice, a Chouameni. I prefer Chouameni because we wouldn't pay $700 for him. So that's always good. But yes, I, I, I don't think we need that much. I also think we need to sell players. But yeah, if we're talking about players to... To bring in, I think Milankovic and Chuamen, I think they'll be at fairly affordable prices for players of their quality. And Milankovic is 24, so he's not too young that you think, oh, he's too young for a center back, and he's not old that you think oh, he's just the right age. And we, we know center backs mature or get better as they grow older. And at 24, he's only going to get better. I don't think we need any reinforcements in the front lines. I don't pay attention to the Sal Lukaku because he wants to go back to Inter. I don't pay attention to the to the our attackers are not good enough. Look at Bernardo Silva. Look at Ryan Sterling. If you if you if we bring in Ryan Sterling now, we will still be saying the same thing about him at the end of the season because players don't perform players don't perform in, in, in a vacuum. They, they, they play with a the squad, they play with teammates. If you play with KDB on your team, you're likely going to get more shots on goal, more shots on target. You receive more progressive passes. You even give more progressive passes, you know. When you don't have someone doing that in your team, then it has to come from somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that we're admiring Manchester City and Liverpool. Manchester City's main creative force is KDB, and KDB is a central midfielder or and plays central midfield. Liverpool's main creative force is a fullback. They, they are not even in the in the in the front lines. Our own main creative players are our forwards. So it's very easy to look at these clubs and say, why can't we be like that? But ultimately, you know, it's I don't think we need forwards. I think we have enough forwards. If anything, we need to take from the forwards. But yes, Milankovic and, and Chouameni are perfect candidates for me. Yeah, I think if, you know, going with 
it was right. Like what two signings that we had, um, could we make if that's our, if that's our choice, if I don't get, if I didn't get that wrong. Um, yeah. So I think, ah, oh, man, that's such a difficult day because for me, um, I think the biggest priority is we're going to need a center back, especially if we're going to continue to play with three at the back, which I actually have some doubts that that's going to be the long-term option for this squad, given the personnel and some of the turnover that we're about to see probably within the next few years, but I don't have a crystal ball. So uh, without having that crystal ball and knowing what the future holds us, I'm going to have to say that we need a defender. We've been heavily, heavily linked with Jules Gwande. Uh, I think that's a solid move. I, I mean, there are some things I'm, I'm unsure of about him, but I think in a back three would be fine. In a back four, uh, I'm not as maybe as convinced as, as others might be. Uh, either way, I'd still be very happy with that transfer. I think there's room to grow with that player. I think that the, the value is right. The age is right. How he would grow into this squad. He would have Silva mentoring him. He would have Rudiger mentoring him as well. There's a lot of positives that tick that box. And then right when Silva and Rudiger, Silva before Rudiger, obviously because of age, but right when Rudiger is probably ready to step away or move on or whatever it is because of age, that's when Jules Kwande would be taking up where Rudiger was about a year or two ago. So I think that that's a very natural progression. I think it also fits the bill. I think the, the, the fee of the player would fit something that Chelsea are interested in. And the fact that we had the deal that didn't go through last fall and that Jules Kwande himself really wanted it to happen and was angry that it didn't happen to go to Chelsea – there are so many things that line up in our favor. I think that's the move I would pursue. Um, there's also the, I've seen a little bit thrown around about Nicolas Sule from uh, Bayern Munich. And I also think that what I hear a lot of people that don't want him are that he's big and slow. And it's like, okay, first, if you look at his top speed, he's the fastest guy in Bayern squad at top speed. So, Faster than Mar- faster than Davies, uh, he's faster. So just so you forgot, Alfonso Davies is really damn fast. Uh, and Nicolas Sule is faster than him. So first, I-, I-, I think anybody that's telling you that, here's what I'm going to give you my honest opinion. If you hear anybody say that Nicolas Sule is just slow and he's not fast, they play FIFA and they don't, they've never watched a single match of him in their entire life. They play FIFA, they see the 58 rating for pace, and they watch him get burned all the time by Mbappe online, and they can't stand it, and they hate him because of that. That's where I think a lot of this narrative comes from, if I'm going to be entirely honest, and from the fact that we just haven't seen a whole lot of him uh, due to injuries and things like that. But if we were going to get him on a free transfer, no actual investment required, just sign the guy. His wages won't be all that insane because nobody is vying for him. That is literally, I don't think it gets, unless if we're going to use him in a squad role, uh, capacity that is about as low risk high reward as of a move I can think of out there and from a business standpoint that makes a lot more sense than anything else so I think those would be my two names I throw out for the defense uh, and, and as for the attack I don't even really want to get into who I would sign for anybody there because we have to shift off like two to three players to even get to that to that point so I'm going to just be honest. I think that the, the, the two I would target, if we're going to lose AC, possibly Rudiger, I'd be, ta- I'd be targeting Nicolas Sula for the reasons I, I, I gave. And I'd also be get, uh, targeting Jules Kwande, uh pretty heavily because I think he can fill out across that back line however we need him to do. And that that's where I think the investment needs to be targeted right now. I think the DM stuff is important. But unless we sell Conte or Jorginho, I think it becomes a redundant conversation because if we're going to play with two midfielders, where are Tushimini or Rice going to fill in or Bisuama, whoever it might be that we bring in, where are they going to play? Are they going to displace Conte? Are they going to displace Jorginho, Kovacic? What would the dynamic be between that new midfield pairing? Are we going to go to a midfield three? I just think there are too many questions that are unknown to us at this point that I, I, that's why I don't know if I can advertise that I think my biggest signing uh, that I'd want to do for the right now would be a midfielder. But I will say I am a big proponent of us getting Declan Rice uh, over the long term. I think the long term, it makes sense. The short term, maybe not as much. And again, I think that's dependent upon who, who, who we, who's back we see, the, uh, see you know, in the transfer window. But sorry to ramble there. I'm just going to end it there. So normally at this part on football managers, when I bring back Tammy Abraham and Tino Livermento, but that's probably not realistic. Uh, 
I, I would just go ahead and get Declan Rice and get it out of the way. Uh, you know, people go back and forth about, oh, it's going to cost too much. Yeah, because he's one of the Premier League's best midfielders, and he's going to be for many, many years to come. And we're just going to kick ourselves when Manchester City drop $100 million on him or United drop $100 million on him, and then he's one of the best midfielders for the Premier League for the next decade. Like, just go, go ahead and get him. Um, other than that, you know, I agree. Like, we can't really be thinking about attackers right now. But I wouldn't be opposed to, like, a more traditional kind of winger that could replicate what our wingbacks are doing now, but, you know, just on the attacking side of things. So, like, I wouldn't be too opposed in Dembele for that reason because he is able to stretch the play and still be able to assist and help out with the team. So, Bryson and Dembele in the summer, that works for me. Yeah, I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I absolutely love Jules Kunde. I think he fits the bill in terms of what we want for a right center back, even though I know a lot of people have loved to talk about the prospect of him replacing Rudiger for some reason. Um, so I think he's definitely one guy that I really want to bring in. And then I, I like the idea of Nicholas Sewell, and that's me under the impression that we're going to lose Andreas Christensen. And I think even now we have to look at Cesar Azpilicueta is potentially gone. Regardless of whether Aspi stays or goes, I think Kunde is a must. I think he wants a move. I think Tuchel wants a move. I think the club wants a move. And, you know, the reason I originally wanted him is because you look at these young world-class potential center backs and you look at the Upa Makanos and the Ibrahima Kanates who have already gone and you know we're potentially missing out on someone like that and I think Kunde is of that quality and I think he'd be a really important addition and I think his skill set as I've learned more about him really suits what we need in a right center back over time or even potentially you know, as a center back in a two, which is what he usually plays in Sevilla, or he can even fill in at right back if absolutely necessary. So that's the guy that I really want. And then I, I also really want Declan Rice as well. And I think anyone with two eyes who watches the Premier League regularly would love Declan Rice. But then Chuameni is an excellent young player as well. So we have all these options and I think we've got a really good relationship. I don't remember where I saw it the other day, but Chuameni also shares the same agent with Sevilla or with, um, sorry, Kunde, who has an excellent relationship with Chelsea so far. So those are both possibilities that really excite me. So that's kind of where I'm at with guys that could potentially come in as for, um, the outbounds, I wanted to ask you guys, obviously guys like Ross Barkley are going to leave. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is probably of that group as well. Um, Saul isn't going to stay past this year, although he has been good. I really just don't see that happening. So now we do get into an interesting conversation, though, as Thomas Tuchel rounds this corner, and it's going to be a big summer for him. And if you want to go back and listen to our conversation on that, obviously the Balance Blues Brothers pod is going to have that conversation. But there, there's kind of this interesting group who we don't really know what to do with going forward. You know, um, Travis mentioned it earlier. Marcus Alonso has one year left. So don't really know what to do with, with him. We've got guys like Conte and Jorginho who are now in their 30s. Yeah, they're still playing some of the best football of their careers, but there's going to be a point where they fall off. And I think Jorginho's got more shelf life at this point than Conte going forward, but you have to at least look at the possibility. So uh, just what, what would you guys do in terms of the center backs and what player would you potentially offload so if you were in charge of the club sales, I guess, where would you guys go in that direction? Kind of open the floor up to anybody. I think the Jorginho Conte question is really interesting because I love 
both players. Uh, like I, I absolutely adore both players. I think people undersell what Jorginho does for this team because of like his glaring flaw, right? Which is that like he is not, nor has he ever been the most athletic player. And that means like in counterattacks, like he is somewhat of a liability, but, and I, I, this is nothing against Declan Rice, who I think is an unbelievable player. Declan Rice to this point in his career has not demonstrated he can dictate play like Jorginho can. And that doesn't mean that I think he'll never be able to, or that even starting next year, he couldn't. I think like it's possible he could, or he could come close. I, I think people, because you watch, like they watch what they watch for is flash, miss, or, or they think about when they play on FIFA, right? When you control every player, they miss what Jorginho does. And just like when you watch him, he tells everybody in both the defense and the attack where to be. And everybody complains about his back passing. Usually that back passing is to draw the other team in so he can find another kind of more through ball splitting pass. I I think Juve is going to go in for him. If I were Chelsea, I would very much hesitate to sell him. I think Conte is a guy with a year left on his deal this summer that if he wants to stay and is willing to sign whatever contract Chelsea give, keep them. But I think there's going to be a team that probably puts in 60 to 70 million for them, maybe more. And that's a deal Chelsea are going to have to listen to. But um, to get back to the other question, I think generally like I'd keep Rudiger. And if one attack rest gets sold, I think it's probably Werner. If two, as much as I love love Ziek. I think it's likely Ziek just because of his age more than anything, not because of talent or fit. I just think those are kind of the two. So, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, uh, concerning outgoings, assistant, I don't see Ziek leaving. I don't see Ziek leaving. I think Ziek has shown that he not only is he Will he perform? I mean, every player performs when they are put in, in, in the environment to do so. But he has shown that he's, he takes criticism on board. He doesn't shy away from criticism. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, he's not one to, to, he, he's, he's as much of a, of a, a tactical dream as Mr. Mount. He will do whatever I tell him to do. He will press. He will run. He will tackle. Even if he's going to get the wood pass, he will tackle anyway. He will get involved in duels. He will contest aerial duels. That's why the fact that he's not tall, he will, he will contest it anyway. He's everything you would want. And in addition to that, the chance creation and, and all of that. And I think he has scored the most long-range goals for us this season or in the Tukul era or something like that. If I'm wrong, don't, don't quote me. But... I think I don't I, I don't see Ziyech thing. The other thing is I think his age might actually be more of a reason for him to stay because we don't need we don't need only 20, 23 and 22 year olds in the attack. At the end of the day, when it comes to decision making, Ziyech has the best decision making out of all our forwards, probably Lukaku included. And if we sell Ziyech, we're going to have to. <laughs> I saw. I saw some things. I have PTSD from the game, from the first game we played against against Real Madrid, and the the decision making was so bad. It was so horrible. I was like, if if we have to, if I have to watch another of this, I'm going to lose my mind. But ultimately, I think Ziyech stays. I think if I to sell anyone, it will likely be Werner and or Pulisic. I don't see us selling from any other part of the squad. Maybe Aspilicueta because he's guessing on an age. Not because he can't perform, but we probably want someone younger performing that role now. And he is getting offers from Barcelona. You are not going to get many chances to move to Barcelona at 32. So if he can, if he gets the chance now, I'll, I'll let him go. Uh, I don't see us selling anyone else. I think we keep Marcos Alonso. We likely sell Emerson. But if if it is who I want to see go, that's a bit of a difficult question because I think every attacker we have 
has situations in which they thrive, it's 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 a bit unfair to just lump all of them as bad players because when they when they go to other environments, they they play well. So if they are not playing well in our environment, it would be dishonest of us to just put it all on them, you know. And I'm not saying this to defend the attackers in a in a way that insinuates they are all flawless and they are all doing all they can. It's just that they don't have playing time. No, at the end of the day, you end playing time, and when you don't play well, someone else is wasting the wings to get into your position and try to do what you didn't do. So all that is fair, but I think it's we should not go the route of these players are bad because. They have not functioned in one system. When these players go to the national teams, Germans, I mean, Ziyech was pulling the strings for the national team before the situation with his head coach happened, and now he's not at the AFCON. So these players are good. We know these players are good. We know these players are talented. Watching Otsunodoy against Tottenham, it's clear. It's anyone that says he's not talented is just pretending. It's clear these players are talented. But many things, like I always say, contribute to player performances. You could be extremely talented and never score a goal because of whatever reason. You could be an extremely clinical finisher but just never get the chances. It can happen. It's, players don't perform well, don't perform in just because of their technical ability. You're not going to create 15 clear-cut chances in a, in a season because you're a good creator. You're not going to score... 20 non-penalty goals in the season because you're a good striker. Other things are going to contribute to you achieving that goal. So it's a it's a team, it's a team sport. We we can't, you know, just say, oh, the, the, the defense and the midfielder are brilliant, the attack is nonsense. When Lampard left, we're looking at it the other way around. So it shows that there's something there. It's it's I think it's it's, it's likely Pulisic and 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 Zena, uh, if we get how if we get offers for Havertz, I would I wouldn't mind seeing him go, except that we paid some two million for him and no one is going to give us even close to that now. So I'll just settle for Zena and Pulisic. Uh, I I kind of think that of Pulisic, Ziyech, and Timo Werner, we're only going to have one of them next season. And I don't know which one's going to survive, but it's going to be whoever's happiest with their position come come the summer. And right now, that's probably ZH. Uh, a few months ago, there was probably Timo Werner. Even further back, it's probably Pulisic. But I just can't see a place for them in this team where they're just barely playing. And that doesn't seem to be changing. Um, you know, on the other end of things, the defense, I'm pretty surprised the club that Osbili Quetta, Rudiger, and Christensen all get to the end of the January window ready to go into free agency and we didn't sell any of them. Like not not necessarily like this window given how the whole team is shaped up, but I'm surprised they let it even get to this point at all. You know, like they like on the Giorgino and Conte situation, I can't imagine us letting Conte go for free. I can't really imagine us letting Giorgino go for free. So it's it's just a really weird place the club has like backed itself into. And I don't know if they were just really confident about extending these guys or what it was, but yeah. Uh just real quickly on the Giorgino Conte thing, like, you know, if you're a manager like Kukul, you obviously love both of those players. But if both of them are out of the way and you get to reshape your entire midfield, I mean, that's that's a really hard thing to kind of pass up because midfield is usually where managers are, you know, showcasing like who they are for the team. You know, if Tuchel can suddenly bring in more midfielders of his own choice and, you know, he doesn't have to worry about, oh, well, I have to protect Georgino and I have to get Georgino on the team and, you know, Conte's fit now. So now I feel like I got to play him. Like if those kind of, those are like good issues to have, but if they're just set to the side, you know, suddenly this can become even more of a Tuchel team than before. So that might be a really hard thing to pass up if clubs start coming in with offers. 
For sure. And I know, you know, frequent visitors of Chelsea Twitter will cite, um, they'll actually probably get upset at us for having this conversation just because how frequently over the last few years people have talked about, well, we need to sell Conte or, well, we need to sell Jorginho. They offer nothing to this team. They're always hurt, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But the reality is we now have a manager who is set up to be here for the long term. And this is really the first time we've had that at Chelsea for a while. And I think, you know, obviously we won't see a drastic squad overhaul. We won't see Jorginho, Conte, Loftus-Cheek, Alonso, Azpilicueta, Christensen, Werner, Pulisic. We won't see all of those guys leave in one window. You know, we can point as to why we think they'll leave right now and obviously there's a lot of time between now and july when the window opens and i know it won't be that long before we do business but there's a lot of time left for things to happen and this is chelsea things can change at the snap of a finger so but i do think there are some hard decisions that have to be made and that goes from even if you look at the goalkeeper position you know what what to do with keppa um, he's been excellent this season. Is he going to want to go somewhere and be a number one uh, all, all the way up to attack? I, I don't think there's any position that's really solidified and safe going into this summer window. So there's going to be some hard decisions made. There's going to be some unpopular decisions made. But the fact of the matter is, is we as fans owe it to Thomas Tuchel to sit here and really just back whatever he does because he's the one in training every day. He's the one who gets paid big bucks. So it's, it's ultimately up to him. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to answer some fan questions as we kind of wrap up this pride of London transfer special. So stay with us. We will be right back. All righty guys. So we've kind of wrapped up the inactivity that was the Chelsea transfer window. And we've talked about, Uh, the prospects for the club in the summer. Now it's time to get to some fan questions. So first from Eli, and I know you guys are going to have some fun with this one. Um, Why is Chelsea so slow with making moves? So I'll say my piece and then I'll kind of kick it over to you guys. I know Travis Tyler's got a big grin on his face. He wants to get to this one. I think everyone does. Um, Long story short for me, we're smart. We're not going to drop a hundred and 40 million euros or whatever it was on Dembele. And we're not going to pay these insane amounts for players, even when it comes to guys like Kai Havertz who are, and Romelu Lukaku's these deals take time. And I I just think we're smart with our money. And Marina Granovsky is one of the best, if not the best in the business. So I'll leave it at that. All right. My non-serious answer is, it, it's not like FIFA where you can put in a bid for 80 million for Mbappe and on the same day, the same calendar day, Petr Cech is sitting in a tuxedo with his helmet on because FIFA hasn't fixed that and you can hash out the deal and get it done right away. Like that isn't how it works. You know, this takes time. There's phone calls back and forth and they have to negotiate a price. There's different parts of the deal they have to figure out. Like, all of this takes time, but maybe more than anything, and this is into my serious answer, we don't have a divine right to players. Just because Chelsea wants a player doesn't mean we get the player. There are so many different people having to make a decision before a player gets to make that jump to wear our blue that, you know, it's just, it's just very almost disrespectful to just say like, oh, why haven't we made any signings? Like, because it's not, it's not like a snap of the finger thing. Like the players have to agree. The agents have to agree. Sometimes families have to agree because you have to remember sometimes you're you're picking up an entire family and moving them to a new part of the world where they don't even speak the language. So, you know, it's difficult. It's even more difficult than January where you have no time to get ready. Like you're expected to go right away and play and contribute. And, you know, that's just not something that's realistic for some players. Like they'd rather wait until the summer when it's much easier to make that move, much easier to get used to things. And there's not this whole, like, everything has to happen right now 
going on. So in a weird way, we get deals done quicker when we have time to get them wrong. Yeah, just to add to, I think part of why people get upset about speed of things is the nature of kind of football media, right? So like the Athletic has two people covering Chelsea. ESPN has four people covering Chelsea. There's a bunch of different websites that cover Chelsea with all people that have legitimate connections. And what ends up happening is like in the business of journalism, there, there is a certain requirement to report a story. So if reporter X hears Real Madrid's ready to offer 400000 a week to Antonio Rudiger, they report that. In reality, that and there were plenty of people like uh, Liam Toomey at The Athletic and Simon Phillips had been saying that wasn't actually the case with Rudiger. And then lo and behold, it actually wasn't the case with Rudiger. And I think you see the same thing with like Declan Rice, right? Like everybody during Lampard was like, oh, Declan Rice is a given. Like they already know that they're going to sign him. And then I was like, oh, well, actually, no, the Chelsea board was pissed that Lampard kept asking for Declan Rice. And, and I think this cycle repeats over and over and over again. We just saw it with Dembele, right? Ah, Tuchel wants Dembele and Dembele's close. He's negotiating with the London team. That's not how this works. Like th- this in part of it is because we keep hearing that over such an elongated period of time. People are like, oh, well, come on, Chelsea, you've been working on this. Why did this fall through? And I, I just think it's a lot more complicated than that. And it's because of how football media works that we kind of have that hope when in reality, it just, it's not likely. For me, I think it's the nature of our transfers, the nature of our targets, because, and the nature of your, the, your squad determines the, the targets you, you, you go after. When, you spend all the money we have spent on forwards and players generally over the past 18 months, roughly. You're not going to go out and get a, a Brian Hill, for instance, because we don't need him. What are we doing with him? And and it's not the kind of player that you need right now. When we when we got ZH and Werner, we got it done before anybody even knew we were in for them. We We can be quick when we want to be, but when we have, when we need players that are in high demand, players that are fairly popular, players that are expensive, we can't not be slow. What 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 are we supposed to do? Take um, one fifty mil to um, Leverkusen's door and say, give us Havertz, just shut up and take our money. Are we supposed to do that? Obviously, players, high profile signings are going to take more time. Uh, so the, the nature of our target means that we have to plan it. We have to do a lot of negotiations. We have to do a lot of things to water the price down. Because when you want to buy expensive players, the only way you make sure it doesn't take time is to either trigger their release clause or just straight up overpay from the get-go, just overpay. And, I mean, what was what, Marina supposed to do? She, she doesn't get employed for this long at this level if that's how she does business. That's one. Two is is Marina. Ma- Marina doesn't. Uh, uh, she's a lot of a lot of times. It's called shrewd, <laughs> and she is shrewd. But sometimes she's strong headed to a fault. And I don't mean this in in arrivals. I mean this in outgoings. Sometimes she insists on prices that are just not, in my opinion, realistic. And I know my my opinion is 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 what is what two two best feathers right now. But sometimes you just you're you're not going to get exactly what you want for a player, and it doesn't benefit the club or the player to keep him. Like Emerson, for instance, why do we still have Emerson on our books? If we're not paying him now, when he comes back from loan, we'll be paying him. He's still registered to us, taking up squad space somewhere. It just doesn't help. At some point, you you take losses and 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 let these players go. So I think sometimes in outgoings, especially when we are depending on a, a, an outgoing to bring in a new player, sometimes she can be quite stubborn. Is the word I'm looking for. But ultimately, she's extremely good at what she does, and if she's holding out for a certain figure, if she's 
not agreeing to a, to a, a price we think she should agree to, she's well within her rights to 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 have her reasons for for not agreeing to that deal. But yes, transfers are, are a, a long process. Transfers are a long process. We, we, we many of the the players we see the deals we see announced started long before we even knew they were in the works. So it's not it's not a a situation of this this club signed this player on deadline day because they entered negotiations on deadline day. No, a lot of times those negotiations are happening weeks before, and it's all just culminating in the in the announcement. And we see announcements here and there, but these things are in the works for a long time. So all transfers are slow. Actually, all transfers are slow. It's just that, like like um, Jordan said. When there are a lot of people dedicated to Chelsea, every tidbit of the transfer is announced and publicized and magnified. So it seems we should have gotten past this stage by now. But that stage, you don't know how long that particular stage takes. When they tell you, oh, we're interested in X player, the anticipation starts building, then they tell you, you we have a meeting with the representatives, then the expectation starts building, then they say they've made one demand, then expectation builds, and say they've made another demand, then more expectations built. So I think it's just the coverage they get. Look at Manchester United with Jaden Sancho. Every part of that deal was publicized and reported and celebrated almost. And that's why it felt like it, it took so much time. When really they, they paid the money and they got the player, that, that, that was the deal. But, you know, it's... It's a, it's a lot of different things. A lot of times it's perception. Deals don't actually happen quickly, except you trigger the release clause and the player loves the player loves the, the contract straight away. And how, how often does that happen? Probably 70% of players don't have a release clause. So you can't just come in and say, we're going to cut you out of the, 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 the deal. You, you spend a long time negotiating with the club. You spend a long time negotiating with the player. And transfer deals are, are not fast. And when you're going after high-profile targets that are performing very well where they are, you can't just come in and take... You have to convince the player. Apart from the money, you have to convince the player of the project you're trying, you're trying to carry out. You won't just tell him, uh, this is Chelsea, we're a big club, come and play for us. You should be excited to play for Chelsea. Why, why would they just come to Chelsea when they can go to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Manchester United. If it's money, if it is project and money, there are a lot of clubs that offer that. So it's it's in different stages and a lot of times it just feels like it's slow because we are exposed to a lot of the process and the the anticipation builds for a long time. Yeah, just to, I mean, I think you guys have kind of said everything for me. I just real quickly and succinctly would say we don't, we don't, uh, necessarily get in you know every transfer window and make moves because as Gabe originally said we know we have a a, a plan and we have some type of I would hope we have a plan because when you don't have a plan is when you panic buy and you get into FIFA manager mode and things like that so I think the short answer of why we didn't get involved is because we cautiously and thoroughly assessed the situation said this is not what we need right now the options at our disposal that are on the market are either going to marginally at best raise the quality of the squad. Um, and then we're going to be left with a log jam for multiple players that want to start in one position when injuries uh, are no longer an issue to start of next year. So I think that's good. That's all good stuff for me. Uh, it also doesn't block the path of any potential younger player that would cost significantly less, both in transfer fee and wages. And probably if we want to get into it a little more, would probably make less of a fuss about not playing all the time in the dressing room and behind the scenes. I think that there's a lot of the reasons why we didn't make any movement this transfer window. Um, again, not to say that uh, that's a, that we're not going to make any movement before June 1st kicks off, but there will be no movement before the, well, it's now past 12, 12, it's now past midnight in the UK. So deadline day is done. It's okay. I think that we're honestly where we are. We're not really in that much trouble of falling out of the top three. Uh, top four, I say maybe top three, maybe a little bit more than top four. I don't think that this squad is going to fall out of the top four, though. And I think, and I, and Matt Wall, I think, was the one that said this on London is Blue Pod last week. But 
And I fully agree. When I was listening to this, I was shaking my head so much. You know, he said pretty much, just to kind of paraphrase was what he said was, if this squad doesn't make the top four, it's not because of Tuchel. It's not because of the board. It's not because of any one player. It's because they all collectively fail. They all collectively didn't do enough. And he said any manager should be able to take where this squad is. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit more. But I got, like, the idea that any manager could take this squad to where we want to be. And unless we're going to win the Champions League, that's probably the only thing that's uh, on the table for us as far as a trophy that's a little bit uh, maybe even unrealistic, although we are the defending champions. It's going to be a lot harder. The Premier League title is pretty much gone. The rest is on the table. So I think that's why we didn't make moves. We're not going to win the league. Our Champions League is – I don't think we really looked like that – be honest with everybody. I don't think that we look like title defenders. I don't think we're going to defend that Champions League title. We didn't even win. We didn't even look like at times the best team in our own group. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We didn't make a move because we didn't want to panic by and get into this Frankenstein squad again and again and again and again and again, just for the sake of it. So, uh, you know, I, I, and, you know, I'm not trying to be, uh, sound like I'm annoyed or anything with that question because I think that many, many, many fans have had that question. But I think that, there's this disconnect where fans want things to happen and question why are they not happening, but they d- then don't pause to look at all of the knock-on effects that type of ideology has created for years and years and years and almost created a systemic issue of you know, instant gratification, get this player, fix the issue. Because what we see is, well, okay, we might go have that, get that player, fix this issue. Six months later, the manager is gone, and then this whole be- this becomes another redundant conversation of how do we fix this issue? well, this player doesn't fit this manager, so let's get new players. And then when this manager's gone, let's get new players. And that's how we are where we are right now. So that's my long, short answer of it all. I think the most interesting thing um, that I learned about how transfers work, and I I believe it was the Straight Outta Cobham podcast, probably last year at some point, it was either that or uh, the London is Blue podcast. They mentioned that a lot of transfers still use email to go through and that that just stunned me you know obviously we all have our different ideas and as travis tyler mentioned earlier fifa gives us this perception that you can show your interest in a player and then petr can be having dinner with them at some fancy restaurant that night but i don't i don't really know how i expected it to to play out but i i think i've always imagined marina granovskaya and other clubs um talking in a boardroom and getting this deal done with a handshake and all that, not really over email. So I thought that was really funny. Um, in terms of Kai Havertz, I just, I looked this up quickly because I thought it would be funny. Um, you look at Kai Havertz and he was a 70 million pound signing, which is a equal to $94 million in the United States. And so I just looked up some things that you can buy with that type of money. And so a year's worth of the two highest paid Hollywood actors. And this is according to toughnickel.com. Um, you can also get an Airbus A320 airplane. You can buy 28 commercial wind turbines. And you can buy a 25,000 square foot mansion in Los Angeles. So in case anybody wonders why these deals take time, it's because we're talking about a boatload of money for some of these players. So yeah, long story short, I mean, it's, it's an addition. It's a, just a combination of all of these different things. So yeah. Um, and then we did have a second fan question. It came from uh, our friend Jam on Twitter. I, you know, his question was how important are the players leaving Chelsea compared to the players coming into Chelsea this summer on the back of the window that we just had. And, you know, I, obviously we love to address our fan questions and I want to thank Jim for getting us that question. I do think that's something we answered in the first half of the podcast though, you know, obviously just to sum it all up, we have to sell players before we bring players in. So that's going to do it from us in terms of our, transfer deadline day special here at the pride of london podcast i wanted to thank everyone for being here um we had a blast and we can't wait for you guys to come back obviously you can check out our work at the pride of follow us on social media we're at the pride of london on facebook at pride of london on twitter 
You can follow each one of us on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Gabe H Sports, Travis Tyler at Travtical, Ola at McNobsey, Travis Flock at Crossroads underscore CFC, and Jordan at uh, Sports underscore by underscore stats. So thank you everybody for listening and make sure to tune in next week.